We all know that divorce can be hard on any family, but it can especially be hard for children who might be involved. Well, a recent change to the Divorce Act in this country is giving children more say than uh, when, when it comes to their views and preferences in what has historically been a matter only handled by the adults invo involved. Here to explain, the, explain this a little further is Alyssa Bach, and she is the associate lawyer at Shulman and Partners. Thank you for joining us, Alyssa. Of course, thank you for having me. So this seems like a step in the right direction, giving children more say in decisions made around their future when it comes to divorce. Historically, what would happen? Yeah, so what we're seeing with the change is that whereas prior to this change in the Divorce Act, it was known that we wanted to have the children's views and preferences there. What this change did is it added it into this list of factors the judges required to consider. So even though we previously saw the cases coming up saying, yes, it's important that the children's views and preferences are there, this change in the legislation really reiterated that. It said, no, like, this is something that's going to be a top and primary consideration that unless there is a circumstance that we can't get this information, it should be before a judge when the decision is being made. And what, how would judges kind of handle, uh, you know, divorces if children were involved previously before this change? Yeah, so what we have, um, at least in Ontario, is we have the Office of the Children's Lawyer. That's one way that uh, children's views and preferences can be ascertained. And what that is, is it's a government body where they can either appoint a lawyer who can specifically uh, be giving the views and preferences of the child or a clinician who can be kind of assessing all of the factors and making recommendations to the court. Mm -hmm. One of the things that uh, we see is definitely the age of the child becomes an important factor uh, that the older kids are. Typically, the more mature they are, the more uh, stable and consistent they are with their views. Uh, and that makes them something that can be more heavily relied on than if you have, say, a younger child or an older child who's lacking consistency in their views, or perhaps where their views aren't necessarily um, aligning with their best interests. Right. Now, I'm assuming this now empowers children uh, to get involved and to be involved and to, and to feel like their voices are heard. Yeah, it's definitely something that we're seeing uh, it coming up more prevalently. Uh, and it's not something where the kids are all of a sudden attending in court or where it's being encouraged that they're part of the uh, the conflict that's there. It's always to be a primary consideration, keep them out of the conflict. What their views and preferences are coming into is in these very specific ways so that they're still kept out of the kind of heated aspects of the separation, but knowing that what their views are, are being heard. Uh, it's also important to distinguish that um, having your views put before a judge and heard does not always equate to meaning that you are going to be able to make the decision. Uh, so really understanding the difference there is that it is still just one factor in many that are considered. Well, the, the pressure, right, of a child feeling like, oh, if I say this about mommy or if I say this about daddy, that that could mean X, Y, Z. But I, I could imagine, though, that 
a child feeling that, that they've been heard by the adults that might be arguing in their circles can be just empowering and just feeling like, okay, my voice counts in this conversation. Exactly. And that's where if you have a parenting relationship that the two of you are amicable, where you can sit down and talk with the child together in kind of a safe, open, uh, non-conflictual manner, then, then that's one route. If there's more kind of conflict and tension or dispute between the parents, that's when you look at getting third parties involved, whether it's a professional, uh, for example, a social worker or a psychologist or psychiatrist, counselor who deals with your child specifically, or uh, if you have a family mediator, that that's part of their services, that they focus on getting the child's views and preferences. Uh, the mediator can speak with the child. Um, or we look at parenting assessments that can be yeah. uh, that can be done. So there there are lots of different routes to get their views there, where they feel safe and where they feel like they can express what they're thinking without feeling like they're necessarily uh, kind of adding to that pitting of parents against each other. Because obviously that adds stress to kids as well. Yeah. Now, you talked a little bit about it already, Alyssa, but I'd love for you to delve in a little bit more about, you know, taking into consideration the fact that not every child might be old enough or mature enough to make these decisions or to, to give insight in this conversation and how that is kind of determined in, in the process. Yeah. So when we have really young kids, um, say when you're looking at like under five, Sometimes they can't either express their views or they're not consistent with it. Or when you really look at the maturity that they're not really able to understand or that they really shouldn't be understanding fully what's happening. And so that's where sometimes in those situations you still have, for example, that clinician that's involved to give um, opinions on kind of what they're seeing the kid is expressing or how they're doing with each parent, as opposed to specifically saying, this is what the child has said that they want. Because also when kids are really young, you hear, I love mommy, I love daddy, I love all of my family, that they have positive interactions with everybody. And so it can be hard to really garner something that's going to help make the decision. Whereas as kids get older, you typically see that level of maturity that they can be weighing in on a decision that's really factoring in not only their preferences, but also recognizing that they can see what's in their best interest, that it's not just, well, I want to be with this parent because they let me stay up late and I don't have to do my homework, uh, that they're making more of a thoughtful assessment of what they want and why, and that it's mm -hmm. really resonating with what's best for them. And so that's where with, uh, say, maybe you have a 12-year-old who... Yeah is uh, super mature and super consistent and making decisions that really resonate with what's best for them. Whereas another 12 year old who perhaps doesn't have that same consistency or maturity. So it's not just say when you're this old, you can have a say and it's going to be weighed heavily. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, it's very child specific. Every child is at a different stage. Thank you again, Alyssa Bach, Associate Lawyer at Shulman and Partners. Thank you for shedding some light on this. And thank you for having me.
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.